So for this evening, we're going to go ahead and go in our Bibles to Mark's Gospel, chapter number 4. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 4. So as you find your place in the text, we are continuing tonight in our This is the Gospel series. And our goal for this particular evening, this message, is to better understand the Holy Spirit's work in preparing a person's heart for the gospel. One of the best texts that you could ever find on this topic is right here in Mark's Gospel, chapter number four. It is one that has been referred to as the parable of the four soils. So as you're finding your place in the text, let's take a few moments and kind of set things up. When the Bible speaks of salvation, the most common analogy that it uses is farming. I think that's important. There's a lot that you can discover about the way plants grow, about the way trees grow, about what is necessary there and how it is that it aligns with the Spirit's work in a person's life and how, when God changes a person's life, how he saves a person, what it looks like for that continued growth in Christ. So in this, Jesus mentions four different soil types. In each of these four soil types represents a condition of the human heart and its receptivity to the gospel message. You'll also notice that each of the soil types will show a different level of preparation by the Holy Spirit for the person to receive the gospel message. So when a person understands these four soil types, it gives us a chance to be able to work in conjunction with what the Spirit of God is doing in a person's life. We don't want to be lagging behind when God has somebody ready to receive the gospel message. And at the same time, we don't want to rush ahead and pressure a person for a decision, pray a prayer, when that person does not yet understand the gospel, the impact, or the cost of what it means to follow Christ. This is an incredible passage to help us work in the flow of, in conjunction with, the Spirit of God. So, We're going to pick up right around verse number three, and tonight I'm doing something a little bit different in this, and that is most of my passages I'm going to be reading from the NIV tonight, and I'm usually out of the New American Standard Bible, but tonight I'm going out of the NIV on a couple of these because of the clarity of the wording in some of the very specific parts. So here's what it says, starting in, say, verse number three and following. Jesus says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And he was scattering the seed, and some fell along the path, and birds came and ate it up. So let's pause there for just a moment. Now, here's the picture that I want you to get in your mind. There's a farmer who's walking along a path, and at that time in Israel, they would basically find that there was going to be the fields that they would be crisscrossed with different walking paths. Uh, A lot of times roads were not easily accessible, so to get from point A to point B, there would be different paths that people would walk right through the middle of the fields. So here's a farmer who is out walking along one of those paths, and he's got his seed bag thrown over his shoulder. He's got a handful of seed, and he is broadcasting the seed. He's scattering the seed. He's walking down the path. So Put this in your mind. Think of a a beautiful path. Think of fields on the side. The path itself is hard, and as he scatters seed, some of the seed out of his hand falls on the path, on the hard soil. Then some of it is going to fall into the rocks that are right on the side, and some of it is going to fall into the thorns, and then some of it is going to make it out to the good soil. That's the picture that is being created here. So with that in mind, 
there are four soil types. Here's the first of those that is going to be mentioned. That is hard soil. Some people do not understand the gospel. It's hard soil. Some people do not understand the gospel. Now, I have on each of these, and I believe it's in your notes, we have the soil that is mentioned, and then right after that, there's an explanation of the soil. Because whenever Jesus originally gave the parable, the disciples listened. They just didn't know what he was talking about. So they get afterwards, and he was like, all right, let me explain to you what that parable was. So I'm putting them side by side so that you can hear about the soil and then hit, get the explanation right afterwards. So here's what it says, verses 3 and 4. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and birds came and ate it up. The explanation is found in verse 15. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Now, any time you are studying the Gospels, I would encourage you to always go and to look and see if that same story, that same parable, that same moment is found by one of the other Gospel writers. A lot of times you'll be able to get a, a new piece. There's a glimpse of something that one of the other gospel writers put in to help us understand it a little bit better. So this same exact parable is also shared in Matthew 13 as well as in Luke chapter 8. It's in the explanation of Matthew 13 that gives us a lot of great insight into this first soil type. So if you want to, write this reference off to the side. Matthew chapter 13 verse 19. Here's what Jesus says there. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom, yet doesn't understand it, yet doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. See how clear he makes it? He's saying this is, this is the seed. This is what's happening. Whenever it's sown and someone does not understand it, Satan comes and snatches that seed back again. This is a person who they do not understand the gospel message. In terms of preparation, the Holy Spirit has not yet prepared that person's heart for the gospel. They are hardened to the things of God. John MacArthur speaks of this group in this way. This is from his commentary. He says, quote, the reason he does not understand is not due to any deficiency in the message, but to his own hard-heartedness. He is the person often referred to in the Old Testament as stiff-necked. He is unconcerned with the things of God, completely indifferent to anything spiritual. The word makes no penetration in his mind or heart. He does not give the gospel the least consideration, thinking it to be total foolishness. He has so continually and consistently resisted anything that smacks of spirituality. The soil of his heart has become pounded down until it is impervious and insensitive. End of quote. Have you ever met someone like that? Have you ever been sharing the gospel and that person wants none of what you're talking about? There's a hardness there. And you, you recognize it in the moment. You recognize this person is not getting what I'm talking about. They are, they're not moved. In fact, it, it's not only that they're not getting, it's like they're irritated the whole time you're talking. There's a hard-heartedness within this person. But listen, 
Even people who may be hard-hearted today, it does not mean they will be hard-hearted a month from now or a year from now. As believers, we don't give up on sowing seed on all soil types. We just need to recognize when the Spirit of God has prepared that person yet so that we're not trying to draw the net. We're not trying to get somebody to pray a prayer, but rather we are saying, God, help us to work in the flow of your activity in this moment. So how do we respond? If you're sharing the gospel with a person that you recognize is hard-hearted, it's hard soil, what do we do in that moment? Here it is. I'm going to give it to you. First, Pray. Pray. Remember what we shared this last week. The gospel reaches the ends of the earth by God's spirit, by God's word, and by God's people. We are praying. We're praying targeted prayers. So I'm going to give you three different passages for you to pray through. One would be Romans chapter 10, 14 through 17. Pray for God to break the hard ground of the human heart with the word of God. That's targeted prayer. You're not just saying, God, help them to understand. You're saying, God, their heart's hard. I'm praying that you would use your word to break up the hard-heartedness of that individual. Another one there is you could pray 1 Corinthians 1.18 or Acts chapter 17. And that is pray that God will open their eyes to the truth. Remember this individual, they don't understand the gospel. It's not that they're just bad because they want to be mad. They don't understand so it doesn't help on our side if we get irritated with them because they don't understand. You can get irritated all you want to. It doesn't make the person understand anymore. Pray. Pray, God, would you open their mind so that they're able to understand the gospel. Another one there will be Acts 2.37. Pray that God will bring them under conviction. If you'll remember in the story at Pentecost, it says those individuals were cut to the heart when they came face to face with the truths of the gospel message. It, it cuts. They, they felt something in that. So the second thing, not only apart from praying, is sow seed. Part of the hardness of this person's heart comes from witnessing, listen to this, many times the hypocritical actions of those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. When we say one thing and we live another it gives that person extra incentive to say, and that's why I don't want what they're offering. They can't even live it themselves. When they hear people say, God's changed my life, and yet they're still running with the same crowd, still talking the same way, still doing the same things, still responding the same way, it doesn't give them any confidence that what you're saying is true. Here, here's the thing. People want to see someone who has been genuinely changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and is living in accordance with that. And when they spot it, listen to this, they're going to watch you for a while. They're going to watch you and how you celebrate. They're going to watch you and how you mourn. They're going to watch you and how you walk through good times and watch you how you go through bad times. They're watching to find out, is it true? How does it change the way that person lives? I don't know of anybody who's just out looking for religion because they want something else to do. People are looking for hope. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for freedom. They're looking for 
is there a way that I can be right with my creator? And when they hear somebody talk about the claims of Christ, they want to see that person live it out. You keep sowing seeds. My mom was a professional seed sower. Yes, she was. If anybody ever received a birthday card, a Christmas card, a book, or anything, I guarantee you, here's what was on the inside. She wrote scripture for every single one. She would, she would write. It, it didn't matter if they'd been walking with Jesus for 50 years. She's sowing the seed in. She, there's a passage. She'd be praying over cards. God would bring a passage. She would write that passage in there. She was constantly sowing seed. We need to find those ways. How do we get the word out? Sometimes it's a text message. Sometimes it's through a phone call. Sometimes you give a book. This morning, here's a crazy thing. Here's a crazy thing. This morning, I get here, and there's this box that's in my mailbox. And curiosity always gets the best of me. I'm like, I didn't order anything. What is this box? I open up this box, and there is this brand-new devotional that's in there. I'm like, well, wonderful. There's a devotional. I walk in this morning, in the early morning prayer time, there's a young man, I went and talked to him, and I'm walking away with this book in my hand, and the first thought, I got 10, 10 feet away, and here's the thought that came to mind, that book wasn't for you, that's for him. I turn right back around, and I hand, I'm like, here, here's a devotional. Now, here, here's the thing, in that moment, I had no plans on going through and handing a devotional to anybody. I didn't even know I had a devotional until I got here this morning. But here's the thing. You sow in the seed. As the Spirit of God is prompting, you sow the seed in. The next part, love unconditionally. A person's spiritual condition has nothing to do with whether we love them or not. We must remember they're not turned off to the gospel because they understand and they hate you and they hate everything about you. They don't understand the gospel. Love the person. So here's your next soil type, rocky soil. Some people do not understand the cost of following Christ. This is found in verses 5 and 6. It says, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. The explanation is found in verses 16 and 17. Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, characteristics of this soil. This second soil is where a lot of, I guess, debate, conversation, confusion begins to set in within the church. And the reason there's confusion here is because people are wondering if they received it with joy, doesn't that mean they're saved? In fact, it says they spring up at once. It looks like there's growth taking place. And then it says that only happened for a little while, but when persecution, when trials come because of the word, they fall away. So the reason this is so important for us is we need to understand how the Bible looks at biblical signs of repentance. Here's a key there. The Bible does not speak of growth as a sign of repentance. The Bible speaks of fruit as a sign of repentance. Write these verses down, Matthew 3, 8. 
John the Baptist scolded the religious crowd for desiring the baptism of the righteous without showing any signs of repentance. And here's what he said. Produce fruit that is consistent with repentance. Produce fruit. Jesus taught that we could distinguish between good and evil people by inspecting the fruit of their life. He says a good tree does not produce rotten fruit, and a rotten tree does not produce good fruit. Every tree is known by its own fruit. Luke chapter 6, verses 43 and 44. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And then he goes on to say, every branch in him will bear fruit. It is fruit that is the indicator of a change that has happened because of Christ. Therefore, when we study a passage like this, we have to ask the question, where is the fruit? If that's the sign of true repentance, where is the fruit? Now, the second soil that is mentioned here is rocky soil. And the description does not refer to just loose rocks that would be on the top of the surface. We know that because even farming in that time was when you're going through a field, you're pulling out those things that are on the top. You're pulling out the rocks, you're sticking them on the side. You could even go to Israel to this day and many times you will find the barriers separating the fields are based on the rocks that they pulled out of that particular field. They pull them out, they throw them off to the side. Okay, so it's not talking about that. What it is talking about is this underlying bedrock that is just below the surface. Whenever a farmer would plow their field, they would remove the excess debris. And as they would plow down, it would begin to break up some of the ground. But if it's not going down sufficiently at a sufficient depth, there is still a bedrock. There is still a hardness that is just below the surface. That's what is being described in this text. It is clear that there is now a degree of preparation that has happened. The reason we understand that is because when the seeds fell on the, on the path, it just immediately sat on the surface and the birds came and snatched them away. This, it sunk in and there was a bit of growth that was beginning to happen. But here it is. When heat comes, when problems come, when trials come, there is not a root that can get down to the life of Christ, to the water system that is underneath. So in that moment, the person falls away. This is the person who is described in detail. Listen to this, verses 16 and 17. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The hard soil was resistant and did not understand the gospel. The rocky soil is receptive but did not understand the cost associated with the gospel. This individual, they make an emotional decision with joy without a firm basis of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen to what one commentator had to say. Sometimes shallow acceptance of the gospel is encouraged by shallow evangelism. It holds out the blessings of salvation but hides the cost, such as repenting from sin, dying to self, turning from the old life. When people are encouraged to walk down an aisle, raise their hands, sign a card without coming to grips with the full claims of Christ, they are in greater danger of becoming further from Christ than they were before they heard the message. They now become insulated from true salvation by a false profession of faith. End of quotes. 
I cannot tell you how many times I've sat down sharing the gospel with someone and I get all the way through, and it's like they're tracking, they're tracking, they're tracking, and then I get to the very end and I'll say, would you be willing to express a desire to receive the message by praying a prayer of repentance, by placing faith in Christ? First thing they'll say, oh, I prayed a prayer years ago. Listen, you can pray a prayer till your tongue falls out. But if you don't understand the gospel, if you have not repented of your sin, if there has not been a change in what God has done in that person's life, that person, they are speaking verbally, but it didn't change their life. Somebody might say, but, but Paul, they pray the prayer of repentance. Here's the thing. Remember, salvation happens because of God's spirit, God's word, and God's people. And when the Spirit of God is drawing that person to himself in repentance, there is a brokenness. But here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes believers are so eager to notch another piece on their gospel gun, to go on Facebook or go on Twitter and say, I led three more people to Christ. They basically say, here's how you can become a Christian. If you just pray this prayer, you'll be okay. And they don't explain the gospel. Listen to this, listen. Following Jesus will cost you everything. It'll cost you your will. It'll cost you your way. It'll cost you the selfish desires of a world that has gone mad trying to please itself. When you follow Jesus, it changes your life. If it doesn't change it, you didn't get the gospel. Repentance is a change that is happening in that person. What does the stony-hearted person look like? They have an appearance of an emotional conversion. They may quickly involve themselves in the things of God. They go to church, they purchase a Bible, they start serving, they might even be baptized. But when trials come, they don't have the ability to connect to the life of Christ and they fall away. So how do we respond when you're talking to that person? You follow the exact same pieces as what we found with the hard soil. But in this, you recognize eagerness and fully explain the cost. Ask second and third level questions. When they, when they make a statement like, yes, I believe I need salvation, ask the question, why do you think you need salvation? I, I be, it's okay to ask questions. Help them make sure they understand the cost. The next one is spend time with this individual answering the questions they might have. It might be that they're needing to talk to somebody. It could be several weeks. It could be a couple of months. It, it's a process sometimes of a person coming to grips with the reality of who they are in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when that connects, all of a sudden, God changes a person's life. Here's the third one. It's thorny soil. Some people want the world more than God. So this soil type, it's mentioned in verse number seven. It says, others, speaking of the seed, it fell among thorn bushes, and the thorn bushes came up and choked them, and they didn't produce anything. The explanation of the soil is found in verses 18 and 19. Still others are like the seed sown among the thorn bushes, 
These are the people who hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitful pleasures of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word so it can't produce a crop. So as a point of interest here, it's interesting to me that the issue, once again, is lack of fruit. Okay, it's not growth. There's no fruit that is mentioned once again. The biblical sign of repentance is fruit. If you want some further references, look in Matthew 3, Matthew 7, Matthew 13, John 15, Romans 7, Galatians 5, Ephesians 5, Colossians 1. Same thing over and over again. The second point of interest to me on this is the progressive nature of the soil. When I say that, I mean that the first soil was completely hard and impenetrable. The rocky soil, it was prepared at a shallow level, just enough for something to spring up but die because the roots couldn't get down underneath it. This has been prepared a little bit further, and we know it's been prepared further because not only does the seed sprout up, but also the weeds that are there are so big, so thick, it has the ability to choke out Everything else is going on around it. There there is a lot of preparation that has gone in here. For this person, listen to this. God is one among many interests. They're not turned off by God. They're just not captivated by him. They view God as a great addition to whatever it is that they might have going on in life. We know this because for them, when they're forced to choose between God and the world, the world's going to win every single time. This individual is consumed with the daily affairs of life. Mortgages, workplace, raising a family, the economy, hobbies, cars, finances, vacations, whatever. It's just they're, they're consumed with all that's going on, and they have no time to dwell upon the eternal truths of God. The things of God are choked out by the things of the world. So let's just stop there for just a moment again. Have you ever run into somebody who fits that particular soil type? They're not turned off by the church, not turned off by God. They're just not pulled in. They're not excited. When you see the things that get them excited, it's got nothing to do with God. It just has a lot to do with what's happening in the world. Now, this person is probably a little bit more advanced in age. The reason I say that is because children are not overly concerned with the worries of life. I mean, some are based upon their circumstances, but most are not concerned with those types of things. This is somebody who is probably a little bit more advanced in age. This person is partially interested in God, but primarily interested in the world. The person is maybe spiritual, but lost. Many times they have religion, They don't have relationship. This is the telling sign. The telling sign is not their emotion. The telling sign is not, did they pray a prayer? The telling sign is, where is the fruit in this person's life? God's fruit is not being produced in their lives. There's no joy in life. There's no peace during hard times. There's no patience with other people. There's no gentleness with other people. There's no humility in their their walk with God. The things of God, the fruit of God is not being displayed through them. So how do you respond when you meet somebody in that soil type? Love the person unconditionally. 
and do not take a judgmental tone. Pray for conviction and clarity in that person's life. And here's, here's one that sometimes if it's your child or your family member, this might be hard. Pray that God would remove all distractions from their life that are keeping them from seeing the truths of God. Did you know sometimes what might be considered at one moment a blessing at another time could be considered a curse? There are some times when the blessings of wealth can get in the way of what God's doing in that person's life. There's sometimes that, that job that somebody said, man, this is my dream job. But they find out that that job is now costing them not only all of their regular week, but also all of their weekends. There, there's sometimes that what seems like a good decision in the moment can turn out to be a worldly decision that is keeping a person away from the truths of God. Pray that God removes the distractions. The last part on that is continue to be a godly example before that person. So that now brings us to our fourth soil type. This is good soil. Some people are receptive to the gospel. Here's what it says in verse number 8. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. The explanation of the soil is found in verse number 20. Others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So this fourth soil type is a little bit further away from the path. It's soil that has been cultivated sufficiently for growth to take place. It has the ability to sustain good plants apart from just weeds. Due to the conditions, it's able to produce crops. Now, the amount of production here is what's truly amazing to me. Uh, the studies would indicate uh, historical evidence back first century farming at that time that the average ratio of harvested grain would have been less than 8 to one. And what this is saying is 30 to one, 60 to one, 100 to one. Do you know what that tells me? When somebody's truly been changed by the gospel, you don't have to hope you might see spiritual fruit in that person's life. If you got to pull out a magnifying glass and say it's possibly, could be, maybe, I'm not sure, something's not right, this is supernatural fruit that is being born in this person's life. Listen to this. It is because of a text just like this when studying that one of the greatest evangelists of our time, Billy Graham, gave this statement. He believes 75% of church members are lost. Let that sink in for just a moment. What if that is reality? What if there are many people who they've heard, but it never sank in? Did you know it is incredibly difficult to disciple a lost person? Sometimes we're getting mad with people saying, why don't they get it? Why aren't they involved? Why aren't they spending time? With? And the issue sometimes is the fact they need to be saved. 
And when the gospel transforms them, God begins to do a work. Now, now here's the danger that I get. And, and believe me, I've preached this message, this text all around the world. Here's the danger that we get into at this moment. All of a sudden, everybody starts saying, do I see fruit in my life? Do I see fruit in my family's life? How about my spouse's life? They, they've not been close to God for six months. And all of a sudden, we become, you know, amateur fruit inspectors. <laughs> and we, we start coming up with our own ideas. And we're like, that person's not saved. I know that person's not saved. I saw them last week out on the town. Like, all, and that's not helping anything. It's not helping. But here's what we can do. We can sit with the truths of God's word and say, God, we want to be biblically sound. We want to be accurate in our ways. And God, if there's someone around me, if I don't know you, God, change my life. You have to do it. Do you know the number one warning that I received when we knew that God had called us to come to Sherwood. Didn't matter the group I was talking to. The number one thing that people kept saying, they're like, man, praise God for what he's doing. I'm excited you're going. And, 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 then, and then here it is, but. I'm like, hmm, what do you got? <laughs> but, here's what they would say. You're going back into the Bible belt where everybody thinks they're saved, but there's a lot of people who are still lost. Guess what? The reality is, that's everywhere. That's why we can't let up in the gospel. That's why we have to keep teaching it over and over and over. There was a study done a number of years ago that said a person hears the gospel on average 30 full times before they place faith in Christ. You don't know if on that Sunday, that was number five for that person. You don't know there's some hard-headed people in this world. It might be 505 for that person. Somebody's got to, you know, kind of bring the ratio up a little bit right there. The issue is God is working at all points along the way. Our job is to keep sowing the seed. You just keep sowing the seed. It's going to fall. Some of it's going to fall on the rocky soil. Some of it's going to fall on hard soil. Some of it's going to fall on thorny soil. But some of it's going to make it on out into that good soil. And here it is. And all along the way, as God is preparing hearts, the person who might have been a thorny soil is a good soil three weeks from now. You keep sowing the seed. God is the one who has to do the work. So, how do you respond when you're running into someone like this? You clearly share the gospel and help them know how it is they can repent of their sin by placing faith in Jesus Christ. So what is the gospel? I'm going to give it to you again. You all should know it by now. Humanity was created for relationship with God. Our sin separated us from that relationship. There was nothing that we could do to make things right ourselves. But Jesus did for us what we could never do. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He rose from the dead three days later that we might have life. And he offers a reconciled relationship. He offers eternal life to those who repent of their sin 
by placing faith in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel message. We have to be proficient in the gospel because God is going to bring all four soil types around you over the course of your life. Keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. Keep praying that God makes you sensitive in the moment for how he would have you to respond. Continue to pray for people in targeted, specific ways. Live a godly example to those that are around. And ask God to use you for the furtherance of the gospel, both in your family, in your network of relationships, and also around the world. We get a chance to share the best news the world has ever heard. We need to be good at it, amen? amen. I think so as well. So let's take a moment and kind of pray and just ask God that he would continue to work with people where they might be at right now. So heads bow for just a moment. This evening we're closing out our service a little bit different than how we've done on some other times. We're going to have, again, just a, a time of song, a time of reflection here at the very end. But I want you to be thinking right now before God, who do I know who might fit soil type number one? They're hard. They're insensitive to the things of the gospel. Who do I know that might come in alignment with soil type number two? It's rocky soil. They're, they're eager, but they don't understand the cost yet of following Christ. Who do I know that's maybe in soil type number three? It's thorny soil. The cares of this world are choking out the truths of God. Who do I know that's in my circle of influence that right now it's good soil? You can, you can see that God is stirring. He's moving. He's preparing. They're asking the right questions. They're seeking the right things. Who do I know in that? Here's what I want you to do tonight. I want you to pray specifically for those individuals. Pray specifically. Ask God for the opportunity that you or someone in that person's circle of influence would be able to begin to share and the truths of God's word would begin to sink in. Take a moment and pray, and then I'll pray together in just a second. Heavenly Father, we recognize again tonight that apart from your spirit doing the work, we have no ability to save someone ourselves. God, we remain dependent upon you. Lord, allow us to be proficient in the gospel. Help us to work in conjunction with what your spirit is doing. Help us not to run ahead and try to pressure someone and help us not lag behind and show no concern when a person is ready to receive the gospel. God, may we see hundreds and thousands of people come to know you as Lord and Savior. And God, when that happens, we will know it is only because of you. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing?